All right, guys, I am one of your hosts, Aaron Freeman, and today you are Locked on Falcons and Eagles. I am joined by the host of Locked on Eagles, Lou DiBiase. We're going to be doing a crossover episode, the first of the 2018 season, looking at this Eagles versus Falcons matchup on Thursday Night Football to kick off the NFL season. You are Locked on Falcons, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day yeah what's going on guys this is exciting i'm glad to be on with you we had a pretty close matchup in the divisional round just a couple months ago so these two teams are pretty familiar with each other yes yes this is um the first time lou and i are are doing this but uh we've done these matchups a a number of times for your listeners lou i do want to introduce myself again i'm aaron freeman i've been covering the falcons for many years at falcons.com you can find me on twitter at falcons and of course i host the Locked On Falcons podcast. Yeah, and for your listeners, my name again, Louis DiBiase, host of the Locked On Eagles. Joined the Locked On Podcast Network in June, and it's been a hell of a ride so far. I've covered the Eagles for a number of different sites. I was on FanSide for Inside the Eagles. I was with Fourth and John. Uh, so, and you can follow me on Twitter at DiBiase LOE. Always talking birds, uh, not the dirty birds, but this <laughs> week we got a lot of Eagles and Falcons stuff to get into. And again, that playoff game last year, Aaron was probably outside of the Super Bowl, the most nerve-wracking game I've ever experienced as an Eagles fan. That came right down to the wire, and, and hopefully the game's as exciting this this Thursday night, not just for us, but just NFL fans in general, because this is the first time in a while, I, if ever. I mean, I can't remember the last time. I mean, this is the first time the Eagles have won the Super Bowl, so them opening up the entire NFL season, the Falcons haven't done it either, and have they ever been a part of the, the first game? It's, it's a cool, cool situation for both teams. Yeah, I don't recall them ever being part of the first game unless I'm blanking right, so on something. this is new territory. Yeah. So uh, let's jump right into it, and let's talk a little bit about this Eagles offense going up against the Falcons defense. Um, you know, I think obviously the big question this week was sort of who was going to start at quarterback for the Eagles. I think that question has been a little overblown, at least from the standpoint of if you're a Falcons fan and watching this game because – I think by and large, they're about equal. You know, the reason why you've been losing to the Eagles the last two outings dating back to 2016 isn't because they've gotten stellar quarterback play from one of these guys. But I do think, you know, from this perspective, I think the concern you have when you face a guy like Carson Wentz is that sort of mobility element. But because he's coming off that ACL tear, I don't feel like that's sort of going to be as big a part of his game whenever he does come back, which will not be this week as Nick Foles will get to start. So I, I do feel like somewhat they're about equal in, in terms of sort of Wentz coming back off that injury, you know, is, is sort of at the level where, where if you're an Eagles fan, you sort of expect Foles to be. Yeah, I think this is a situation where you look at the quarterback situation. Most people thought heading into this year, throughout the summer, that Carson Wentz was going to start, but Nick Foles is going to get the nod. And although I think the offense is a little bit different, compared to when Wentz is under center and when Foles is under center because with Foles, it's a much more quick reads, get the ball out. They use RPO in both systems. But Carson Wentz, I feel like the offense is more complex because Nick Foles is a rhythm quarterback. But you're right. We, we go back to that 2016 game when Carson Wentz was a rookie. It was really the Ryan Matthews show and the Eagles offensive line taking over that game. And it was similar in the, in the playoff game where Foles was more of just the point guard getting the ball out quick, especially in that second half and really letting the playmakers do the work, letting the defense obviously take over in that offensive line I think Aaron I think the offensive line for the Eagles when we're talking about how they should attack this Falcons defense the O-line really needs to dictate this game you saw in the playoff game where guys like Jason Kelsey and 
Lane Johnson and Brandon Brooks, Stephen Wisniewski, a lot of what the Eagles offensive line is about is athletic guys getting up to that second level and getting hands on some athletic defenders that you guys have in Deion Jones and Keanu Neal. This is a, this is a, a game where the, the offensive line for the Eagles really needs to take over again because of Foles is getting pressured by Vic Beasley and by McKinney and by that Falcons front four and by the front seven. Foles is going to get off his game. Again, Foles is a rhythm quarterback. It's high highs with Foles and there's low lows. So it, to me, is all about the offensive line when we're talking about the Eagles offense against this Falcons. Very athletic defense. I agree. I agree 100%. I, I think with the, you know, one of the things that's made a, a big deal about with the Eagles offense is the sort of the RPOs. And I feel like while the RPOs are an important element of their offense, I feel like they can somewhat be a little bit overrated because the way that people sort right. of look at it as like, oh, if you know, you, you can't stop the Eagles if you can't stop the RPOs. And I do think you're right in terms of this specific matchup. It's really going to be about the offensive line. And for the Falcons perspective, it's going to be really winning that matchup and going up against a really veteran Eagles offensive line. Now that Jason Peters is presumably going to be back in the lineup after sort of basically taking a break all preseason. Um, right. And I think looking at some of these matchups, and, and you go back to the last game, the Falcons really sort of struggled to get pressure on Foles in that game when they weren't sort of relying on sort of manufactured and schemed pressure with stunts and whatnot. And I think, you know, while stunts aren't a bad thing, I don't think they're as effective against a veteran offensive line like this Eagles offensive line just because I don't feel like you can sort of exploit those sort of mismatches in a way. So I think it, a lot of it really hinges on the Falcons' defensive line to do a much better job pressuring Foles and also to stop the run. We saw, you know, as you mentioned two years ago, it was the Ryan Matthews show, and I feel yeah. like if the Eagles can make it the Jay Ajayi show and really pound the ball down the Falcons' throat, they'll do that, and that will pr pretty much, you know, seal the Falcons' defensive fate if they can't stop the run, and that's been a sore issue for the Falcons the last couple of seasons since they're so predicated on being fast and, and being the speed, they're a little bit undersized. And I do think they're a little bit susceptible. Um, and, you know, they added a rookie in Deidre Sonat and he's going to be asked to carry a significant load uh, trying to replace guys like Don Terry Poe in the middle and, and whether or not they can hold up against the Eagles physical and dominant, um, potentially dominant offensive line in terms of creating push and creating space for guys like Ajayi. Yeah, I think this is going to be a physical game on both sides of the ball, but especially on the Eagles' offensive side because they, they to me, have to make this a messy game at home because not only, you know, and Ajayi, he, he gave Atlanta trouble last year. If they can get Ajayi going in the offensive line, that's the key. But it's also Doug Peterson has really got to have a good game plan coming into this game because, you know, you talked about the RPOs. Yeah, it's it's a it's a key part of the Eagles' offense, but it is it has been a little overblown this offseason. It's been a, really the hyped-up part of the Eagles' offense because of how successful it was last year, but Doug Peterson does a lot more than RPOs. There's a lot of trickery. There's a lot of different... It's, it's a very complex offense, and it changes week by week, so I trust that Doug Peterson's going to go to put a good plan together around Nick Foles, and I know there was a lot of hype around Nick Foles' struggles in the preseason, but it was, it's pretty vanilla offense in the preseason, and Nick Foles is a, to me, a system-dependent quarterback as opposed to Nick Foles, or as opposed to Carson Wentz, excuse me, because Wentz, when structure breaks down, could be a really dominating player. Just when, you know, outside of the confines of Doug Peterson's offense, whereas for Nick Foles, it's more of he, Doug Peterson really has to, to plan up a really good game plan for him so on this side of the ball I think it's really got to be a gritty performance in the trenches for the Eagles because Aaron they don't have Alshon Jeffrey Mac 
Collins is not going to be playing either on the outside. So, yes, they do still have Nelson Aguilar and Zach Ertz and all of their running backs healthy, but they might, they're going to have to rely on rookie tight end Dallas Goddard and second-year wide receiver Shelton Gibson because when they're running three receivers, Gibson's really going to be that third guy. And then if you don't want to run Gibson a lot of the time, what are you going to do? You're going to run a lot of two tight end sets, and Goddard's going to be that player. So suddenly two players that have little to no playing experience on offense in the NFL are going to be thrown into the fire on a nationally televised game. So I'm very excited to see how this chess match goes on this side of the ball especially. Yeah, you mentioned the two tight ends. I think that's going to be a a big part of the Eagles' success if they do find success on Thursday night um, with Ertz. Ertz gave Keanu Neal a lot of troubles uh, last season um, in that matchup, and I feel like Dallas Goddard could give Devondre Campbell some troubles. I think Neal and Campbell are are two of the better coverage guys at their respective positions, but I do think with a dynamic tight end like Ertz, with a guy with sort of Goddard's combination of size and speed, could be problematic for the Falcons' defense. And I do think, um, given some of the injuries the Eagles have at the wide receiver position, I think they're going to be heavily reliant on those tight ends to be a big part of their offense, particularly on third downs and helping them move the chains. What do you think about, before we, we move on, what do you think about the matchup in the slot with Nelson Aguilar? How are the Falcons going to combat that? Because they do have some pieces on defense to go after Zach Ertz, although he is one of the best running tight ends in the NFL. He's one of the most dangerous playmakers on an offense in the NFL. But Nelson Aguilar, to me, in the slot is going to be key when we're talking about the passing game. How are the Falcons going to combat Nelson Aguilar inside? Because he became extremely dangerous, not just throughout the entire year, but especially in the second half. He was one of the best receivers when it came to third down. I think Carson Wentz's QBR was over 120 on on third down when targeting Nelson Aguilar. How are the Falcons going to combat that? Because I think that's a dangerous matchup for Atlanta. Yeah, I think when you're, you're, I think you're matching strength against weakness there. When you have Aguilar in the slot going up against Brian Poole of the Falcons' cornerbacks, Poole is the weakest linked on that. And speed slot receivers like Aguilar tend to give him a lot more problems than sort of the side, the bigger slots. Um, even though he's a little bit of a smaller um, cornerback, you know he is very physical. He's basically like a safety. And so a guy like Aguilar is going to be a little bit more problematic in terms of the matchup. So I feel like the absence of Alshon Jeffrey won't hurt the Eagles that too much as maybe it will in other matchups simply because the the strength of the Falcons secondary is on the outside. And I, so I think even if Jeffrey was in the game, it still would be mostly the Aguilar show regardless. So I, I feel like that's going to be an interesting matchup to see how the Falcons can combat that. Pool hopefully will play better than he has and pass outings against the Eagles where he, those have been some of his games that he hasn't played the best. And and if they can't get him, you know, if they can get those tight ends going and Aguilar going, then, you know, in, in addition to the running game, then it, this Eagles offense is going to be pretty hard to stop for the Falcons. I'm with you. I agree. And, uh, you know, we'll see how this, this is going to be the side that's key because I don't know. I just, there's so much unknown with both sides there. There's a weak link with Aguilar inside against pool, but then, Elsewhere, it's just going to be a battle up front, you know, when it comes to these linebackers versus the tight ends and running backs. It's going to be a fun watch when it comes to the Eagles offense versus the Falcons defense. And coming up on the Lockdown Eagles and Lockdown Falcons crossover podcast, we're going to go, we're going to flip sides now. We're going to get into the Falcons offense versus the Eagles defense. But first, before we get into that, I want to talk to you guys about my bookie. Ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking me for advice. Usually it's what team to bet on this week. And the truth is, I don't know who's going to win. But if you think you know, 
I think you should check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is it's just as important who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they're your best bet this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to you easy to use. Lay down some cash and win big today. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me, and that's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game, live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, I'm a big guy in fantasy football, you can even bet on the over-unders on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. So if you're feeling bold on that, you can predict those as well in MyBookie. Join now, and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's MyBookie. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKDOWN when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, guys, so on the Lockdown Eagles, Lockdown Falcons crossover podcast, let's get into now, Aaron, the other side of this. We, we dug in deep on the Eagles offense against the Falcons defense, which I think might be the key in this game. But on the other side, this is going to be probably the more entertaining watch. The, a star-studded Falcons offense, when you're talking about Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, obviously, you got the great tandem in the backfield of Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman. But then... You had Mohamed Sanu last year, right? But now in the first round, you had Calvin Ridley out of Alabama. Aaron, this is probably going to be the most fun watch in this game. Agreed? Absolutely. I think you're, you're talking about strength against strength. The Eagles defense versus the Falcons offense. Those are the two sides of the ball that both teams sort of pride themselves on, sort of their strength that they rely on to win the majority of the games. Coming off of 2017, where the Falcons offense quite wasn't up to par to where they expected it to be in the year following uh, Kyle Shanahan's departure when they were a record-setting offense. Um, and certainly the Eagles defense looks like it's going to be, you know, they they the rich got richer this offseason with some of the additions they made to the defensive line. They already right. had one of the best defensive lines, if not the best defensive line in the league last year. And to sort of add on to that, I know they're dealing with some injuries. you got guys like Jernigan out. You do have injuries, you know, with Michael Bennett being recently added to the injury report. So that certainly will affect things. But they still, even with, you know, two out of their top five guys down, they're still going to have, you know, three other guys that are Pro Bowl caliber players. So it's one of those things where I don't think even with it being a little bit weaker, potentially due to injuries, I feel like that's still an area where the Eagles overwhelmingly have been able to. Uh, assert their will against the Falcons offense the last couple of years. And that's really been a key part to why they've been so successful, keeping what is typically a very potent Falcons offense at bay Mm -hmm. in these last two outings. That's a good point. And really, for as bad as the Eagles' offenses look this preseason, and that's really been the talk of the offseason for Philadelphia, the defense has been really, really impressive. And it's been on all facets of the defense. It's not just up front, because obviously, like you said, they, the rich got richer. You still have Fletcher Cox in the interior, Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett. Hopefully, will take another step. You still have Chris Long in that defense, who still, in his older, in his in his last few years in the NFL, has been a very productive pass rusher with Philadelphia last year, and he's looked good so far throughout the summer. But then you add Michael Bennett there; that's a, a dangerous matchup. But it wasn't just that. They got Jordan Hicks back, and I think people are going to remember just how good Jordan Hicks this year is. I think people, especially Eagles fans, maybe forgot because of how Nigel Bradham just took over in the playoffs last year. Jim Schwartz even said he was the backbone, and they're not going to have Nigel Bradham in this game. So there are there is some movement around this Eagles defense, 
But, man, even the secondary, which I guess you could say was the weakest link last year, Ronald Darby has looked the part of a number one corner in the summer. Jalen Mills looks improved again. He has improved every year since getting drafted in the seventh round out of LSU. And Sidney Jones in the slot, he hasn't got a lot of buzz around him because I think Avanti Maddox, who's your guy, is is a Pitt alum. He's looked impressive in the summer, but Sidney Jones has been technically sound. He's made some really impressive plays, especially in the red zone against Cleveland in that third game. This Eagles defense is loaded on all three levels. And I think, again, the Eagles are going to have to make this a messy game to win. They need to close this Falcons offense down. I think if the Falcons score more than you know 24 points in this game, I don't like the Eagles' chances. They really need to rely on this defense right now, and I think that's going to be the big part. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the Falcons have the advantage when it comes to sort of the outside skill position guys, obviously having guys like Julio Jones, given some of the injuries at the Eagles linebacker group. Uh, I do think the Falcons can potentially find ways to exploit those guys in the passing game with running backs like Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman. Um, I think, you know, you mentioned Calvin Ridley and sort of his addition and the hope for the Falcons is that he's going to be an upgrade over Taylor Gabriel, who sort of lost in the shuffle last year after having a a big role in 2016. Um, They made the addition. Their biggest free agent move was upgrading that right guard position with free agent signing Brandon Fusco. Uh, Hopefully he's an upgrade over Wes Schweitzer. Um, They also dealt with the last matchup. They dealt with an injury to left guard Andy Levitri. He was out of the lineup in that game. Center Alex Mack was not 100% after suffering a late season injury as well. So I think the Falcons are hoping that with the upgrade of Fusco, the return of Levitri and a healthy Alex Mack, that they can sort of take care of business along the trenches against that formidable Eagles defensive front uh, headlined by Fletcher Cox. I think they're also hoping that, you know, the addition of Ridley, I think what's going to be interesting with one of the specific matchups in that secondary that you mentioned is going to be attacking that sort of nickel cornerback. And, you know, Muhammad Sanu is the primary slot receiver, but I think one of the interesting wrinkles that the Falcons could bring this season is a healthy mix of getting Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley some also slot reps and really making whoever, whether it's Jones, whether it's Maddox, either way, you got a relatively uh, newcomer to the Eagles lineup and really trying to attack that unit. But I think the issue that has always been hurting the Falcons and really any offense facing this Eagles front is you can exploit that secondary, but if your quarterback can't stay upright, it's really hard to, to you know attack that unit. And that's really been the key to the Eagles' success is that they're able to get so much pressure with their front four guys. They're able to dial up blitzes when they need to and create that havoc in the backfield that really makes offenses play left-handed. And that's really been the problem for the Falcons in these last two matchups. Yeah, I agree. I think, and again, you talked about getting to Matt Ryan. That's going to be a key for this Eagles' front four, and especially Fletcher Cox against Alex Mack and that interior Falcons offensive line. Fletcher Cox, by the way, had probably against Atlanta in that playoff game last year the best game I've ever seen him play in a Philadelphia Eagles uniform. He only had one sack, but he had five tackles. He stepped up huge against the run. But the part of that, too, is you mentioned the skill positions. The secondary needs to give that front four time to get to the quarterback. And the, the key, again, is in the slot. Is Sidney Jones going to be able to – I like his I like his chances against Mohamed Sanu, but – how is he going to? How is he going to react when he's tested with Julio Jones inside? Because Jim Schwartz doesn't really rotate his corners a lot. Ronald Darby is not going to follow around Julio Jones. If Julio goes to the right side, Jalen Mills is going to cover him. And if he gets pushed inside, unless Sidney Jones is really struggling with him, maybe they'll throw Malcolm Jenkins on him. 
who's played in the slot a lot as a safety as well. But Sidney Jones is going to cover Julio if he is in the slot. That That's a big test for the rookie, well, the second-year guy, but he's essentially a rookie. It is, it's going to be his first start in the NFL. That The secondary, if they can hold them and allow Atlanta, or Philadelphia to not have to use blitzes to get to the quarterback, that's going to be a key here. It's really that those skill positions for the Falcons against those three Eagles corners. The Eagles run nickel, like the, most teams in the NFL. Nickel is basically the new base. You're, you're running a third corner more than a third linebacker. Your, your third corner is probably on the field 75% of the time compared to your weak side linebackers probably playing 25%, at least for the Eagles defense. So, you know, again, they don't have Nigel Bradham, but a lot of the time they only run one linebacker with Malcolm Jenkins as your hybrid second. I, I think I really like the Eagles' chances here on the defense. I think they're going to have to hold, again, they're going to have to hold Atlanta in this game. So this Eagles offense doesn't have to get caught in a shootout with Atlanta because the Falcons just have too much firepower that if the Eagles secondary is struggling to stick with these receivers, I'm not sure the Eagles can combat that on their side with offense. I'm not sure that they can stay and stand toe to toe with Atlanta without Carson Wentz. I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, It's really, it's going to be an interesting matchup. It's going to be basically, you know, the Falcons mantra is, is can they rise up to the point where they can, you know, get that advantage where they have it on the outside with their skill positions, with their running backs. They're going to try to establish the run and hopefully that'll open up some opportunities to use their play action offense and and take some shots. They've struggled to be explosive against this Eagles team in the past, largely due to the fact that, you know, Matt Ryan just doesn't have enough time to develop some of these deeper routes um, and and push the ball down the field. I feel like other yep. teams have been able to exploit that. We saw that in the Super Bowl with the Patriots. Were able to really push the ball down the field. They were able to get Gronk heavily involved in the second half of that game, and that sort of helped facilitate their comeback uh, to, mm-hmm. to to make it better. And I think the Falcons are going to have to follow a similar template. They're going to have to use misdirection. They're going to have to use rub routes and, and exploit the Eagles' tendency to play a lot of man coverage up front. Um, I think they're going to have to use screens and whatnot. And, and try to find a way to get the ball into their playmakers. You know, Julio Jones was relatively quiet in that playoff game, and I don't think the Falcons will have any chance of winning this game if, if, that, if that history repeats itself. So I, I think it's going to be – a lot of it's going to rest on the offensive coordinator and Steve Sarkeesian, who I don't think called a great game. And certainly, you know, everybody points to those last couple of plays in the, in the goal line situation as not great play calling, but I think – there was also other times throughout that game earlier in the game, and one of the reasons why the Falcons were unable to generate any points other than the two drives where they created turnovers um, against the Eagles in that game, and that just cannot be the case. And you know, if they can, defense can create some turnovers in addition um, to also the offense maybe getting a couple of scoring drives, a couple of touchdown drives, and being a much better red zone converting team, which was another. Um, area of weakness last year that was, you know, magnified at the end of that game. Um, I think the Falcons can put themselves into a favorable situation with a possibility of being able to, you know, exploit this Eagles defense in a similar way that we saw the Patriots do. But obviously, you know, that came in a loss in the Super Bowl. I'm with you because, again, this was a very close game. It came down to the final play, really, with that fourth and goal play where Matt Ryan threw it up to Julio Jones. Because both of these teams are so talented, you've seen the predictions. A lot of teams are picking Atlanta to get back to the Super Bowl. A lot of teams are picking Philly to maybe repeat or at least get back against New England. These are two of the favorites in the NFC. So you talked about scheme 
with Atlanta. I talked about it with Doug Peterson and the Eagles offense. It might come down to coaching too, Aaron, because of how talented both of these teams are on both sides of the ball, that it might just be the better game plan. You know, who brings the, the, the bigger chips to the table? Who has crazier play calls that really catch the other team off guard. You know, I point back to it in the playoff game, the the counter to Nelson Aguilar up the field, getting them to the two-yard line and putting them in a position to take the lead. The Plays like that, it's, it's really going to come down to two. Who's going to out-coach who? That's another, another facet of this game that the advantage taken by one of the teams and might be the difference in winning this game or losing it. Well, I think that's a good point. And I think based off of last season, um, you would certainly think that the Eagles have the decisive advantage in that regard. Um, you know, any offensive coach that can outscheme Bill Belichick is probably pretty good at his job. And I think you know <laughs> that was a pretty major criticism of the Falcons' offense, and one of the key criticisms of why their offense wasn't able to achieve and produce at the same rate it did the previous year. And so, I think that's really going to be a big question mark heading into this season, and specifically this game. Will there be a little bit, you know, that gap between? Doug Peterson in his offense and Steve Sarkeesian in his offense, you know, who's going to be able to exploit whatever weaknesses they can find. And the problem that goes against Sarkeesian is even if he does a great job, he's facing an arguably much bigger, tougher task against this Eagles defense, given their ability to create pressure. And I don't know quite yet if Peterson is going to face the same uh, going up against this Falcons defense, because I think the pass rush is one of the bigger question marks of the Falcons defense right now. I'm with you. I think this is going to be an, a very exciting game to watch, and uh, it's going to be a, a close one, uh, an entertaining one, and not just for Eagles fans or Falcons fans, but just NFL fans in general. Let's take one more break here on the Lockdown Eagles, Lockdown Falcons crossover edition. When we come back, we'll give you one final matchup we're both watching for as we wrap the show right here. It's the Lockdown Eagles, Lockdown Falcons crossover podcast as we preview Thursday's season opener between the Eagles and the Falcons at Lincoln Financial Field. And on top of that, guys, I want to let you guys know that it is crunch time for fantasy football and the Locked On Podcast Network is delivering. Locked On has a brand new fantasy show that's called Locked On Fantasy Football 24-7 that will give you the latest trends, the hottest roster moves, and give you that extra edge that you need with the injury expert, Ethan Turner. You guys definitely want to try to win your league this year, and Locked On Fantasy Football 24-7 is here to help you. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, uh, Louis, let's talk about sort of the one big matchup that we're each going to be paying attention to um, and not necessarily to frame it as if they win, if Team A wins this matchup, they, they'll win the game. But I do think in some of these matchups specifically, uh, they could be very influential in terms of the outcome of the game. We've talked about several of them. But one in specifically that I'm certainly curious about with the Falcons' perspective is going to be Tack McKinley against Jason Peters. Jason Peters has okay. um, sat out pretty much the entirety of the preseason, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've seen, we've seen uh, Vitae struggle uh, a number of times over the years in Philadelphia. That wasn't necessarily the case in the last outing. But Jason Peters is a future Hall of Famer, in my opinion, one of the best but because he has not played as much recently, I do wonder if this is a possibility that maybe you can catch a living legend on the downside of his career. And I do think if the Falcons are going to be able to create some havoc up front and be able to pressure Nick Foles, a lot of it is going to have to come from their second-year pass rusher in Tack McKinley, who's coming off a very promising rookie season. But I think a lot of the pressure on sort of carrying this pass rush is going to 
rely on him. I don't feel like Vic Beasley versus Lane Johnson is a favorable matchup to Vic Beasley. Jason Kelsey has had Grady Jarrett's number the last couple of outings, so I don't know if the Falcons can really rely on Jarrett to create that interior push. I hope they he will find a way to exploit that. But I think if the Falcons are going to find a way to really create havoc against Nick Foles, it's going to rely a lot on Tack McKinley. And basically, he's with the very tall task of making Jason Peters look old. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen, but I think there's a possibility out there that if Peters is a little sluggish coming off of uh, pretty much a long break during the summer and hasn't really played football since the middle of last season, um, there's maybe a possibility that if Tack has something up his sleeve, then he might be able to do create some havoc off that right side of the defensive line, the left side of the Eagles offense, and really uh, you know, disrupt the Eagles' passing attack and, and get after Nick Foles. Yeah, it's really young versus old there with McKinney versus Jason Peters. I, I hope Jason Peters hasn't lost a lot of that athleticism that's made him so dominant. And I agree with you. I think he's a future Hall of Famer. But that's a, that's a key point is that if Jason Peters becomes a weakness on this line in this game, that's a recipe for disaster for the Eagles offense. Because, again, if Nick Foles starts getting hit and he starts getting uncomfortable, he's going to start forcing passes. When it's a muddy pocket, I don't like Nick Foles' chances. And if the Eagles start turning the football over like they did in the preseason and you're giving Atlanta a short field – they're going to make you pay. So that's a good one. And let me ask you, because my matchup really here is on Zach Ertz. Who do you think is going to be, because there's a number of players that they could possibly choose to go up against Zach Ertz. Who is the one guy out of Deion Jones, Keanu Neal? Who do you think is going to be on Zach Ertz the majority of the time in this game? I think it's going to be Keanu Neal. Typically when the Falcons face a top tier tight end, they like to put Keanu Neal on that guy, Uh, specifically a guy like Ertz, um, who's as, you know, athletic and, and dynamic a uh, tight end as you're going to find in this league right um that has typically been keanu neal's task they also like to put devondre campbell their uh, outside linebacker on tight ends but i don't think he's a great matchup um for a guy like zach Ertz. campbell typically fares better against sort of those vertical seam stretching tight ends that don't do all the things that Ertz does in the eagles offense and that's typically more of a keanu neal thing and i think they'll probably ask Deion jones to um focus more on the running backs out of the backfield, like Ajayi and, and Clement and Sproles and whatnot. Yeah, and because that's my matchup, really, is Zach Ertz has to win that battle, and he did in the playoffs last year. Not only it was more more so, too, on Minnesota against Harrison Smith, one of the best safeties in the league, Ertz can really beat anybody that goes up against him, and he has to against Atlanta. Especially Nick Foles, a guy, he can he takes shots on the boundaries of the field, but he's a player, too. Again, it's going to be a lot of RPOs, a lot of quick stuff. Get Nick Foles in a rhythm, especially early, and he's, I think he's going to look to Zach Ertz early and often throughout this game because, too, if Ag, I mean, Aguilar's a key here in the slot, but Mike Wallace is probably the majority of the time going to go up against Desmond Trufant, and I don't like Mike Wallace's chances in that matchup, so it really does come down to Zach Ertz. Without him, you're going to have to rely on Aguilar in the running game if Ertz cannot win these matchups, and I have confidence that he will. He's the best Eagles receiver on this team, and he's got to win that matchup to keep Nick Foles comfortable and to allow other players on this offense to get open because if he's struggling, I don't know who else is going to make plays for this Eagles offense in the passing game. Yeah, I th- you know, I have probably a higher opinion of Keanu Neal and his abilities than probably most human beings on the planet. But uh, you did mention that he did struggle against Zach Ertz in that playoff game. And so it's going to be important for Keanu Neal to have a bounce-back performance and really do a, a number on Zach Ertz. He he fared well against Rob Gronkowski in the middle of last season, um, and hopefully he can look like that 
the player that he looked like in that New England game um, against his Eagles and really put the clamps on Zach Ertz, because I agree with you, if they can sort of uh, contain Zach Ertz and prevent him from being this key rep weapon, not only, you know, making the big plays that he's prone to making, as well as being a chain mover, then it's going to really put the clamps on this Eagles offense and, and sort of how many matchups that they'll be able to exploit, which, you know, takes pressure off the Falcons defense to um, necessarily have to shut down. You know, I think that the strength of the Eagles offense is their ability to spread the ball to multiple playmakers, not just focusing on one guy like the Falcons often tend to be with Julio Jones. So I think if you can take away one of those playmakers, it certainly is beneficial to the Falcons defense. Aren't you glad we get to talk about regular season football again? Like I'm just I, the off season was so dragged out, and I, it was shorter for the Eagles. But even preseason football, after the first game or two, I, I was just I'm so excited to get back into this regular season, and we got a game to talk about right here, and, and it's an exciting one. Again, it's against two of the favorites in the NFC. What a way to start off the season! I absolutely agree. Uh, I'm glad we're back at it, and I'm looking forward to this matchup. Um, do you, do you have a prediction possibly that we can close out the show on? Yeah. So in my Eagles viewers are probably going to be a little bit disappointed in me, but I think that the Eagles are one week away from really getting back to full strength. And it's going to be the hype of the Super Bowl run in 2017. And I, I know that the players are trying not to get all caught up in that, but the Eagles are losing a lot in this game. No Nigel Bradham, no Alshon Jeffrey, no Carson Wentz. I think they have a chance in this one. I think it's going to be close. I'm going to go Falcons 24, Eagles 21. It's going to be close down to the wire, maybe the final drive for Atlanta. But that's what I'm going to go with right now. Week one, week one's always weird too with how teams play. And I think Atlanta's motivated from last year's close loss. I'm, I'm going to pick the Falcons. I normally don't go against the birds, but you know, my, I, I truly believe that this is going to be an extremely close one, but I like the Falcons right now on this one. And I'm sorry, my, my listeners from Locked On Eagles, but I'll get them back next week when they play Tampa Bay. But right now, I think Atlanta has the advantage in this one. Well, that's interesting because I think we're going to have to flip-flop here because I think the Eagles have that advantage. They've been able to control the Falcons. Uh, well, I hope you're right. <laughs> with the with their ability to win the line of scrimmage, and I think that will probably continue. I don't, I don't feel like the, while the Falcons have improved in that area, I don't know if they've improved enough to overcome the problems that the Eagles create on both sides of the ball uh, with healthy offensive and defensive lines. So I feel like you're probably right on the score, but I'm going to flip it a little bit and go Eagles 24, Falcons 23. I do think it's going to be a close game at do think it's going to be a, a fun, entertaining game that will once again come down to maybe that last possession. But I do feel like the Eagles just have a little bit more in terms of their strength along the trenches and on that defense to, to pull out this win in the end. It's going to be a battle, man. That's the thing is, again, like last game, I don't think this is going to be a high-scoring affair. I, I think maybe in the end it'll open up a little bit, but this is going to be one in the trenches like you said. And it's going to be a test, and I think it's going to be a fun one to watch for Eagles fans, Falcons fans, and the entire NFL. Absolutely. I look forward to it. And, uh, Lou, I hope we get the opportunity to do this again maybe in January. Uh, yeah, maybe we'll one. see each other in the uh, NFC Championship game. Yeah, perhaps. So, um, you know, best of luck to the Eagles with the exception of, of this week uh, for the rest of this 20, <laughs> 2018 season. And I, I hope you wish the same for the Falcons. You too, Aaron. I hope I hope we see each other again in January. Let's get a get a, let's get a rematch of the last one because that was a doozy. And again, probably the the most nerve wracking game that I've been watching as an Eagles fan, as a member of the Eagles media. 
outside of the Super Bowl. That was a nail biter. And hopefully we get the same thing on Thursday. And hopefully, once again, we, we see each other in the playoffs because these two teams, they always have a good battle. Absolutely. Well, Lou, I want to remind your listeners that if they want to find additional Falcons content, in addition to the Locked on Falcons podcast, they can follow me on Twitter at Falcfans. And if you want to hear more about the Philadelphia Eagles, you can follow me on Twitter at DBASILOE. And I'm posting a lot of written content as well on the mothership, LockedOnEagles.com as well. So, Aaron, this was fun, and hopefully we'll do it again soon. All right, man. Looking forward to it. All right. This has been the Lockdown Eagles, Lockdown Falcons crossover podcast, available as always on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day. Please subscribe to the shows. Leave five stars. Review them. We appreciate the viewer feedback throughout the offseason. Thank you for getting through the offseason with the Lockdown Podcast Network. And we're here. It's time to talk real NFL regular season football. And we're so glad that we can do it for you right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network for Aaron. I am Lou DiBiase signing off. We'll see you next time right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.